A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer and Paul Rilkes with illustrious change makers, designers and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. All right. Welcome, Abigail Swindler. Hi. Uh, we're here at the World Education Congress in San Francisco. Tell us, what brought you here? Conference planning. To see what I could learn, even if it's one thing that I could take away, mm -hmm. it's all worthwhile. And so... Um, Tell us a little about, for people that have never heard about the World Education Congress, right? What, what, did, what is it like here? What are we doing here together? We are telling the story of the future of event planning in a variety of different ways, from wellness to technology, um, contract negotiation, event design, and even the conversation we just had about planning from the very beginning, the conversation, and what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that we try to do is to like, be in the moment and capture the moment. Now, there's thousands of people here that apparently do nothing else than organize and design events and host them across the planet. Um, how do you currently experience, is there any change in, in that for you with what we've just gone through over the past couple of years in your organization? Everybody's trying to go back within my company. Um, they're trying to go back to what they did, whether it was two, three, even five years ago. And the challenge is that we're not, you can't go back in time. No. <laughs> so um, it's trying to move forward. And um, it's trying to find change with people that are stuck, you know, very high executives sometimes, you know, leading the company, but then very stuck in older ways of doing things yeah and so the world is moving ahead you know everybody's discovered what's going on and keeping connected when you cannot travel mm -hmm. or you cannot be in the same place um, one of the things we're doing here that we're just looking at behind us for those that are listening to this podcast we're on level two of Moscone Center in San Francisco uh, meeting professionals international has its annual kind of gathering of members mm -hmm. and these are people from varying industries getting together both meeting planners and uh, suppliers in that industry um, and the ability to actually then think about the next event taking place, right? So next year's event for World Education Congress will be in um, Mexico for the first time that this event is going outside of so the cool. U.S. and Canada. And that's going to Riviera Maya, right? So the MPI uh, Caribbean-Mexico chapter is taking on the task of, you know, hosting this event. Mm -hmm. And we're helping them, supporting them in figuring out what the stakeholders need from this event whilst they're going through the experience at this event. Now, everybody has a different opinion about their experiences, but yet everybody craves experiences, mm -hmm. I think, especially after two, hour, two years being cooped up uh, during yeah. the COVID period. Um, does, it, does it make sense for you, let's say, to, th to, to have a way to think about the future 
that is driven by the users instead of driven maybe by just one stakeholder being the event owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if there was, I'm a little confused on what the theme is, I guess, in a yeah. sense. Yeah. So I know it's the 50th anniversary, but me being somewhat new and trying to figure out how to take advantage of this event best mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as, you know, the attendee, um, that would have had been maybe feedback of, you know, I would have had asked that question prior. And even when I walked in yesterday, I did. Um, but no one was able to help me with that. And and that's okay. I'm actually very, not to speak negatively, I'm enjoying myself and I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just learned so much from you. Um, <laughs> or at least bonded over things. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I think that had the stakeholders, the, you know, the, the people planning, and that's my own, I guess I should back up and say that's my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure other people come with other motives, mm -hmm. but um, if there's a way to unify that a little bit more, yeah. um, I think that that would be great. But yes, I, what was the question again? <laughs> no, so, so, so the ability to listen to the users yeah. whilst they're on site at conference, yeah, to right? Make because, it, and, because this is like yeah. your, 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 your feedback is so in real time. And I like that a lot, mm -hmm. uh, Abby, the fact that you're, um, you know, we're originally Dutch. I do live in Switzerland, but we like to be really direct with like our observations and yeah. you know, be very like crystal clear. We don't beat around the bush. And I think if you ask people about their experiences and how you're spending their time, mm -hmm. they're going to give you, you know, honest and, and direct feedback. But the ability to empathize on somebody else's role and how they would could look at this into the future is actually a very powerful way of synchronizing brain power at an existing event to figure out the story of what's next. Right? What's going to come in the future? And I think you brought up when we were speaking earlier um, that people just won't travel or they won't go to events because they don't need to anymore. And people um, are putting their foot down, taking it further than what you said with a lot of things. You see a lot of turnover in jobs, especially with the younger generation and whatever that generation is called now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where people only hold jobs for six months. Mm -hmm. That is the norm. It's not even a question. So I think when you, that really resonated with me because that is part of it. If you're telling people they need to go to two events a year, or whatever that looks like, and leave their home and travel or come into an office for more meetings, whatever that situation is, they taking it further than what you said, but they will put their foot down and say, no, because I go to these events, there's no value. So even let's say a conference like this, if people continue to come and there's no value and the attendee, um, you know, it's not, they're not gaining what they were hoping to gain mm -hmm. after one time, mm -hmm. you may not see them register again. So. Yeah, yeah. The investment of time and how people choose their time mm -hmm. is something they're going to do equitably and, and carefully. Yeah. Right? And it's not just driven by personal motives of the experience, but also of what does that do to others? Mm -hmm. right? And how does it impact others? On the other hand, you said already within the first day and a half that you're here, right? We're on day two of, uh, of, of this experience. Um, you serendipitously run into people and have conversations that otherwise you might not have had. Right. right. Uh, we've never met before. Uh, I traveled in from Switzerland. Where did you travel in from? Chicago. From Chicago, right? Uh, here we are in Pacific time zone, yeah. right? At around lunchtime on the 21st of June, 2022, having a conversation about what really matters to us, mm -hmm. right? So we found some kind of common care. 
And I think that's what events can do, right? It can bring people and filter them almost through like, a, you know, like looking for gold when you, yeah. you know, take the sand into the, I don't know what you call the tray, you know, to yeah, kind of the sifter sift, or whatever, yeah, yeah. sift out, you know, the sand and, and figure out where the gold dust is. And I think events do bring out gold dust in communities, right? Mm -hmm. But they have to do it very intentionally and they have yeah. to very carefully think about how to orchestrate the experiences. Um, and be conscious about the behavior change they're looking to provide and communicate that clearly, right? You were saying, okay, like at this event, you actually asked a number of people, you know, what it is that could be. And if the story is not clear enough for the participant, then the, the story is not clear enough full stop, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you're spending time, energy, and effort to travel somewhere. You're at the core of the community and the reason why many other people are here. And your sense at a first experience or you know at, at, the, at the offset I had very good experiences at first and the ability to connect to a community at over time um, changes the role in which you perceive all of this right? mm -hmm. which is interesting I remember coming to this maybe you know 20 22 years ago to this event discovering its first edition but I was a different person back then volunteering my time within MPI contributing to MPI as have done many of the colleagues that are now in the event design collective and by contributing to the development of the community in a membership-based organization, you also carry part of the responsibility as to how it manifests itself into the mm -hmm. future. Right? And this is why we're helping design the World Education Congress into the future. And as a matter of fact, this is the first World Education Congress that I brought my son along with me. Oh. Uh, he just turned 19, and this is the first time he's discovering what this industry is about. So cool. Um, yeah, he thought it was really cool to come to San Francisco, but was his motive yeah. really to come to the World Education Congress? No. Right? He just wanted to travel, right? He's on his gap year and he, you know, oh, I wanted to travel. But he also figured out that after six months of work in an intern job, you know, that only gets you so far yeah. when you need to get on a plane and stay in a hotel and, you know, spend time when you're doing There's things. There's the birds. And we've got birds flying behind us. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you wondering where we are, we're at the World Education Congress in Moscone Center, level two. Uh, on the escalator, there's people going up and coming down, and there's a little bird flying past <laughs> us here who's just found a, a breadcrumb of muffins. <laughs> so nature's brought into the room. This is really great. Yeah. Uh, Abby, back to the, back to the subject. Um, this industry direly needs the next um, professionals to come into this space, right? And yeah. uh, we, need the, we need the brain power, we need the horsepower, we need everything to kind of, you know, make sure that people can get together because when we get together, we change the world, mm -hmm. right? The world is in dire need of some change, um, you know, and this is something that I think we all care about in this profession, but people listening to this podcast must, might wonder, what is this event industry all about? If you would, if you would describe the event industry from what you're seeing around you here or in your experience, what is, what is the event industry? How would you describe that? So, <clears throat> The event industry. So obviously I work for, is not obviously, but we had discussed this. It's a private, I work for a private company mm -hmm. internally. Um, so we do a variety of in-house events. We mm -hmm. don't market to outside. We have nobody to market to mm -hmm. um, for our events. It's really to create better leaders, update our company on what's going on, but we need to how's that, whether that's, and bundle it up, whether it's in a two-day in-person event or virtual. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then as I speak with people, there are a variety of different ways we could do these events. So mm -hmm. here at this event, um, I'm gaining knowledge on the latest technology, 
Um, that's really a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, how to gain engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, even from a technology, I think the, te- the technology piece is so prevalent. It's so it's so important right now because mm-hmm. it's things from little games on phones during a conference. Mm-hmm. And I think 10 years ago that wouldn't be accepted because you don't want people on their phones or on their laptops during a conference. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot, that's pretty unique. Um, mm-hmm. Just engaging people and finding different ways depending on who your clientele is, whether it's a big um, marketing conference where you're, you know, a vendor, seller, buyer, Mm -hmm. style conference, or an internal conference, in-house conference where, um, so it's, you know, I'm walking around seeing what opportunities there are to implement things. And of course I come up with, oh, we could bring this in, but you know, money speaks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) At the end end of the day, you know, these, these are, um, um, you know, how your event creates value is part of, part of what we, um, you know, actually really want to want to crack as a problem, right? When a, when a team sits around the table, you said you have 12 boardrooms, you know, the, like the CEO level people mm-hmm. or the C-level people together know that events are a very powerful mechanism that they can use, but at the same time, they're confused as to, as to what they want from it. And each might have a very different view on that. Right. Um, so the ability to crack that problem first or to dissect the problem um, and get everyone on the same page is critical to be able to then determine whether you do or do not need that game to engage people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, in our experience, very often is that you know, there's, there's an enormous cry for engagement, but at the end of the day, um, if you don't know what the engagement leads to, yeah. if you cannot figure out, you know, engagement is an outcome. Engagement is not is not an ingredient, right? Um, and so, as a, so you get engaged as a result of something else. Mm-hmm. And I think this is part of what event design does, is it analyzes the story of the pains and the gains and the behaviors before and after an event and you know, the commitment and time and the return and the cost and the revenues and the job that needs to get done and the promise and all these things that we put into this canvas in order to get everyone on the same page, seeing their stake mm-hmm. in the story. And so... Um, I think it's interesting to see how events that are designed using conscious thinking by a group of people. You know, yes. Here we have five design sprints where every time people are in the mood of the event, now designing the next event, mm-hmm. right, whilst they're completely immersed in this event, it really allows you to spot the 10 differences of what you like and mm-hmm. what you would like to see changed. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, enough about what we're doing here, mm-hmm. right, uh, Abby? I think this is a, this is a very spontaneous um, uh, yeah. podcast recording we do together. Yes. So our one of the first pages in, in a new book we presented last year at this event called Design to Change, right? Um, elevating your ability to look and act beyond the now. Uh, the first page actually um, has, um, has a very interesting saying that we normally start this podcast off with, uh, which is a good conversation. Um, can determine the direction of change forever, right? Mm-hmm. Would you leave it to chance? So that's a question to you. Like, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave that to chance? The conversation happening? Yeah, because it just happened. I mean, that's how I fell on you, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's how you fell into the podcast. Right? Yeah, that's why I'm sitting here right so now. So you left it's it totally to chance. I was wandering and started to cross-eyed look at what you guys were doing in this corner 
and I it turned out it was probably one of the best corners I've walked into (laughs) (laughs) and one of the best conversations one of the more valuable ones so yeah and so I think you know yesterday at the keynote we heard it's all about the conversations Mm -hmm. the problem when there's thousands and thousands of people together it's really hard to have a really good conversation because there's so much ambient noise. I mean, people may hear around us, you know, there's birds tweeting, there's, <laughs> you know, thousands of people walking up and down and, and chit-chatting in the hallways and serendipitously either running into each other or yeah. completely missing each other because of the size and scope of it. Mm-hmm. Now, you didn't leave it to chance that you, at some point, booked an airline ticket, mm-hmm. secured a registration, right, packed your bags, decided to go to San Francisco for a couple of days to be at this event. Mm-hmm. So. Was it really by chance or is it an orchestrated form of chance? Yeah, no, that was intentional. It was orchestrated. Uh, absolutely. There was intention there um, based on the you know work stresses coming at me and uh, me not on paper truly being an event planner, mm-hmm. uh, learning to gain knowledge and um, the fact that I'm a registered um, member of mm-hmm. MPI for yeah. many years now, for two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the emails come through, none of that was by chance. That was definitely intentional. Yeah. Um, and feeling the pressure that I need to learn something. <laughs> <laughs> so coming here was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of it is who you meet, how you take advantage is the by chance part. Yeah. So, And also show your curiosity, right? Yeah. You could have just walked past and taken the escalator and mind your own business, but right. you were inquisitive. I saw the question mark above your head. Yeah. Um, looking at, you know, these, these, these empathy maps and the event canvas and the event design lab we have on site. Um, and I think this is part of the role of what we need to do in events. Mm-hmm. Right? We orchestrate spaces where serendipity can happen yeah. right? between people of common interest. Um, and the way that's done should be very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny what you were mentioning about you know, your curiosity for technology and engagement. Uh, Smart Meetings just wrote up a little article about you know, what we're doing and how that's working, which talked about this very thing. People looking for engagement in technology, but at the end of the day, unless you have a framework to think about what it is that people need and the right. way that you want to change that behavior, um, uh, there is no connection between the thinking patterns and the solutions that are you know, omnipresent. I mm-hmm. mean, there's 800 platforms and there's probably 20,000 right, apps right, that right. can do what you were talking about. And it's your priority in the work pressures that when you need to take a decision about something or you need to have the conversation about how your event creates value for your organization. Even in an internal situation where you right. are, there's a reason why these events are put on. Mm-hmm. Because people have a hunch that they will get something done, right? Something might change in the culture as a result of people getting together. Yeah. But leaving that to chance can mean the knife could work two ways, right? If right. you don't know which way you want the knife to cut, you might cut the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. And I think what you, when you were explaining the lab, Mm-hmm. Uh, portion to me, I think that you did a great job of describing the um, filtering the ideas through and um, just going through that process and what the goals are, what the outcomes are. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you assess that for, you know? the outcomes later on um you didn't use any of those words actually i'm trying to remember what your yeah. words are yeah. but it really was in, in in some way um 
what does that look like and making sure the intention is there so not everything has to be by chance I guess Um, and it's and it's and it's that very thing you're saying right so we deliberately changed the the words and the language mm -hmm. in order to reawaken the awareness as to what it is we're dealing with here right no organization I'm sure your organization is never short of ideas as to what they could be doing and people keep suggesting stuff but you're missing that filter as you described it which to us is that delta right so Mm -hmm. from the entry to the exit behavior what change needs to happen in the middle what is that delta filter which is the almost like the prism you're looking through right the rubric of choice to say hey does this idea actually change this behavior for stakeholder one two or three into the desired direction of change right And does it then fit at the beginning of the event, before the event, in the middle of the event, at the end of the event, or after the event? And then you can sequence together the experience journey and the instructional design of the hourglass, the timepiece that your that your event represents, right? Because we are we're almost like in this little irrealistic bubble with three and a half thousand people experiencing the World Education Congress in San Francisco at Moscone Center. It's beautiful weather outside, right? Mm -hmm. We um, but we choose to be here. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why we lock ourselves up for a couple of days to force ourselves right. to think about this subject. And that's a very powerful mechanism because yeah. when we took that away from people two years ago, the ability to meet with friends, with family, with professional friends, with your communities, yeah. etc., then we noticed what didn't happen as a result of those events not happening. But everybody had a hard time articulating what's the behavior that didn't happen, behavior change that didn't happen because we couldn't meet. Mm-hmm. If you cannot say that, if you cannot articulate it, you can also not state what it should do in the future. Right. And that's why we are in this constant quest to kind of discover that every time over and over again. Because it changes all the time yeah. as well, because the context changes and the right. people change. Right. Right. Generationally, who's working at what company, who your attendees are, their needs are always going to be different than a different yeah. generation, than the previous or the after but also there's a maturity mm-hmm. in yourself so what i was describing earlier this is your first world education mm-hmm. congress you're going to um you're probably going to compare it to other events that you've mm-hmm. been to and say like oh is my time worth better there or here right mm-hmm. um i've become loyal to this event uh, somehow because it's given a lot in return to yeah. me um but my role and how i consume this event has very much changed over the last you know oh yeah i'm about as old as mpi yeah but I've gone to maybe 2022 editions of this, but I, as a person, have significantly changed right. over that 22-year cycle, which is normal, yeah. right? And so the event as itself, if it's static, might not be a problem, but your role within the event might change dramatically. Mm-hmm. That's also okay. But if you don't know what it is, if you mm-hmm. cannot describe it, it's very hard for people to relate to it. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that's part of the responsibility we all have when we put on events is. We have to articulate the promise of the event for that stakeholder, what jobs it gets done, what pains it relieves, what mm-hmm. gains it creates, right? what your entry and exit behaviors could be or probably will yeah. be, what it's going to cost, what the revenues are for you, what your expectations might be, how do you measure your level of satisfaction, how much time you need to commit, what you're going to get in return. All of these cubicles are super relevant to be super clear about because otherwise the question you had when walking in if it's not resolved by the time you walk out mm-hmm. you might never cons- consider maybe remaining a member of MPI or even coming to Riviera Maya to the conference next right. year right? right right yeah I think it's also even if I gain a lot of knowledge here there's also that conversation of 
we all know how to build trust. We all know what that takes. But at a certain point in life, I think you learn. <laughs> but, um, but still, the stakeholders typically, they're the smartest person in the room, in their heads. They will always be whatever room they're walking into. They're the smartest. So while respecting that, even though they trust you because they've employed you, so they know what you can produce, it's still getting them to listen to you on some level. And not necessarily listen, but quietly behind the scenes, everything that you have drawn out here and everything you've created, going, you know, taking their ideas, respecting their ideas, filtering it through, um, finding ways to allow them to give you that time and flip their ideas on their head and um, still, you, you know, encourage them maybe you said something earlier of you know sometimes the person who came up with the idea it's forgotten and sometimes certain people need to remember (laughs) this was your idea we took your idea (laughs) but um even though it's totally different now (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. but people recognize themselves in the story because they contributed right right? so it's getting the stakeholders learning how to communicate with the stakeholders still to trust you yet not using the word trust so yeah, I think trust is one of those things like ultimately when people become certified event designers um, uh, one of the programs we have after that is the EDC Mastermind uh, and that's where the Real Geek Squad from event designers mm-hmm. gets together and the topic actually in the Mastermind this year is you know trusted advisorship right so how to become a trusted advisor and this year we dissected the concept of trust because you could be an advisor but if you're not a trusted advisor then you're just an advisor right so and trust actually has an equation. There's a trust equation that we dissect and we practice what happens when there's a breach of trust or when trust is being challenged or um, how you relate to trust with regards to the language you use or the conversations you have. And, mm-hmm. and people come in on the hot seat. You know, we have hot seat conversations where people can say, you know, I've got a situation here where, I don't know, my trust is being challenged or you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't trust what's going on or whatever it might be. And then the other masterminds help that individual because we're a community of practice to deal with that situation and within 15 minutes we come up with 20 ways in which you could address the issue they commit to three or four things they're going to try in the next three weeks and then report back three weeks later what it is they tried and what worked and what hasn't that's really interesting but all of these people are equipped with the language that we speak in terms of event design so we Mm -hmm. don't need to talk about the process of event design they all master how to do that thing but on top of that you then start being more vulnerable right in Mm -hmm. terms of hey guys, this is really not working or I'm running into this thing. Or, right. And because we're all, and I think this is a commonality many people have in this role of meeting planners, that's why we find each other together at this World Education Congress, um, is we all have a role in our organizations, but very often there are very small teams or solo teams um, with a similar profile of stress and excitement and adrenaline mm-hmm. and that we're addicted to, right? Because right? we love that action thing make you feel bad i love you make you feel exactly. bad i love you <laughs> so it's amping up that pain for yourself but at the same time because we are all victims of the same circumstance we refind each other at this place called an event for event right. planners right which is crazy it's probably the hardest event to organize yeah. right i don't envy team mpi and that's why we're helping them design the future right, as well because right, it's right. not an easy job no. right to design an event for your own type for your own people type yeah uh, it's very difficult um but it's also that makes the ultimate challenge. Yeah. Right. And I think I've seen this before in risk managers at organizations. You know, there's an example in our first book called the Event Design Handbook. If 
for the Federation of European Risk Managers, which is a similar role. Right? If you're a risk manager at a company, very often you're kind of like a solo specialist mm -hmm. who needs to you know, mitigate risk on behalf mm -hmm. of the organization. Nobody else is kind of like you know, informed about right. the risk. Then when all the risk managers get together at their conference about risk management and you have the brokers and the insurers there as well, who are there to catch the risk, right? Right. Without the knife of the actual policy on the table or mm -hmm. the claim on the table, this is the only time they can sit around the table without there being an issue on the table. Right. And, and I think having that environment or creating yeah. that safe space is a very valuable moment in time. It's interesting because with that, it's also, and even with events, what's going to be a flop, it's the exact same thing. Um, <clears throat> it's only after there's the flap or the risk happens or and then they then write a policy how yeah it is, right? yeah and and even with um you know we have it with uh what's it called a disaster management mm -hmm. you know a business continuity so same thing with continuity they always say it's only after um you learn by conversation so whether it's something really devastating you know, well, they're all devastating. Um, mm. But any devastating disaster, natural or, you know, man-made, mm. um, it is afterwards the recovery, the mitigation, the the continuity. How do you keep the business going? Things like that. That's really, it's unfortunate. But um, so same with events. It's like you throw it, you do it, you think it's going to be great. And then in your postmortem, you learn. It was a flop. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And actually the post-mortem is something we do on events too, mm -hmm. right? So we dissect past events and then we, we figure out what went right, what went mm -hmm. wrong, and the cause of, you know, the mm -hmm. arrest or the cardiac arrest or whatever right, happened right, right. at the event. Because in hindsight, you have 2020 vision and you can clearly retrace the steps. Uh, for those of you interested in how that's been done before, right? So we've done this similar cycle as this one for MPI Indianapolis in 2018. Um, where um, MPI's uh, event planner, uh, Miranda van Brugge, came to our program at the University of Amsterdam. She brought a project, the way that everybody that comes to class brings a project, and that happened to be the World Education Congress. We select one of those projects, and her project got selected. We worked on it for three days with 25 other geeks that are learning about <laughs> event design. And so we then kind of cracked the problem together, and at the end of the three days, she had three prototypes on the table of that event. Uh, she then went back to, you know, MPI's leadership and, and asked Paul Vanderhunter, you know, how do I, you know, I'd like to implement this in Indianapolis, but it feels like the train is already on the, on the running right. tracks, you know, on the local organizing committee. And, and Paul committed to having his senior leadership team embrace this, and he opened up the whole organization to rethink next year's event, oh. applying this methodology of what she learned, which was our ultimate project to then submit. Incredible. And that's how the World Education Congress in Indianapolis in 2018 happened in the way it did. And it's, it was one of the milestone moments, I think, of WEC. On site, we dissected the event with the participants through ethnographic research, looking through their eyes and their experiences and that. documenting this from all the stakeholder perspectives. And ultimately, you see whether the design connects to the actual delivery and how that might influence the future designs of that event. So what you're seeing here and where we're at right now is, is a, uh, actually on site in 2020, 2018, we challenged all the participants to think along the lines of what should this event look like in 2022. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here we are, 2022. Yeah. Um, not saying that everything that was designed in 2018 is actually implemented because we've sure, had something in between called all. COVID. And you cannot keep track of all of right. these changes, but things evolve in a certain mm -hmm. way. But from time to time, we actually encourage organizations to 
recurringly apply this because this is not a one-time medicine, right? This mm -hmm. is unfortunately event design is a chronic medication sure. that all event patients have to take. And things cost money too. Some of the ideas can be very costly and exactly. it just depends on what's going on. That and it year. depends on the destination as well, sure. right? So the context in which you're having things or the limitations of, you know, look mm -hmm. at last year's editions, very strict in terms of COVID measures. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the future looks like. Right. So we've got to design multiple versions of what that future could be. Exactly. Right. That's part Plenty of our responsibility, mm -hmm. right, that you are doing, no doubt, in your own organization mm -hmm. as well. Abby, this was a treat. Yeah, right? thank you. This was so Who would fun. have known that just bumping into each other yeah. here in the in the hallway would lead it. to a podcast recording with oh. song, right? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and wailing sirens coming <laughs> yeah, back right. in the background. Um, it's lunchtime here yes. in, in San Francisco. I've kept you long enough. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> thank I, you. I'm glad we didn't leave it to chance. Yes. Um, and we got a chance to catch up. Absolutely. Thank any, you so much. Any last thoughts before we leave our listeners? Like people listening to this that are considering... What is this world event, you know, uh, this World Education Congress? What is this MPI thing? What is this event design thing? What you would know, you say to them? It's a great event. I think you can make it whatever you want it to be. If you want, don't want to go to any sessions, don't go. And then you don't get to do anything with it. Maybe just look around, see how pretty things are. <laughs> but um, look at some beautiful people. But um, I, as I told my, my, you know, my boss, who I report to when I said I wanted to come, if I can take away even one thing, it's worthwhile. So um, I've definitely already taken away more than one thing. Um, it's only day two. Yeah. yeah. So, and we'll see how much more um, I can learn. And it's good to know even just um, how to utilize some of the connections you make here. Yeah. Um, maybe there isn't an opportunity for the next five years, but you know, year six comes and you're like, I met this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I think you could really, like anything else in life, you can make this however, yeah. whatever you want it to be for yourself. Yeah. So thank you for your curiosity. Thanks for joining yeah. us spontaneously in, in the podcast. I'm glad this is now your second podcast that you've participated yeah, in. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one more question, which is a question we ask everyone on this podcast. Um, we have a year plus one podcast. Which means that a year from today, uh, we're going to set a mark on the agenda, and I'll reach back out to you after this event takes place. And I'd like to have another conversation a year from today with you to see what your horizon of change looks like. Yeah, How that's that really cool. That's like those movies watching people grow old. <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, brilliant. Just it's actually the layers. It, yeah. It's to build on it and actually see the growth. Same with events. Like, what do you? How do you see the event get better? So yeah. I think it's brilliant. Because change doesn't happen. Like, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't feel the change, right? No. But you look back at a year and you go, whoa. Yeah. Right? What has actually changed? Absolutely. So, I'd love to have that conversation. Uh, to not yeah. leave it to chance, we're going to set yeah. an agenda marker. Okay. Um, and for those of you listening to this podcast, um, you know, this is now the 22nd of June, I think we are today, in 2022. Uh-huh. Um, uh, from the World Education Congress in San Francisco. So, Abby, cool. thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And enjoy the rest of the conference. Bye. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage. 